Hi, everybody. It's your intrepid host, Brennan, here, reporting from the fiery hellscape of Southern California on the crappy internal microphone for a really quick announcement. Uh, I just wanted to tell you all that this the Friday that this very episode comes out, I'm also a guest host on the Blumhouse podcast Shockwave, talking about LGBT horror with Happy Death Day director Christopher Landon. It was basically a dream come true. It was super fun, and I urge you all, if you don't already listen to Shockwave's First of all, what are you doing? Number two, go check it out right now. It's up in their feed. And also, uh, vice versa, if you have somehow heard me on Shockwaves and been incited to check out this podcast, uh, maybe this episode is not the best first episode for you. I'd suggest checking out something from last month, which is our slasher month. That is a fun controversy-free conversation, probably better to dip your toe in than this one, which may enrage certain folks about the fog. Thank you very much, uh, and uh, enjoy the episode. This is KAB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, and let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today, and keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. I'm a Swedish milkman. That's why I said oh, okay. that way. All right. So welcome back to Scream 101. You're listening to Sergio. And I'm Brennan. And what else do I say when I introduce? Uh, this is the show where a horror expert, that's me, shows uh, horror movies to a horror novice, and that is you. That's me? Yeah. I think by this point, we don't. We, I can't really be called a novice because I've seen just so many films. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't absorb anything, so yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Pop quiz. How many uh, John Carpenter films can you name? Um, the thing. One. The mist. Two. No, the that's wrong. The fog. The fog. Which is what we're talking about today. Christine. Three. Halloween. Four. Uh, the city one. The ones that's like obey. Oh yeah, they live. Okay, they you're live. fine. Um, uh, this is boring. Anyway, this is our what our second week of John Carpenter month. We just watched the fog, and we'll discuss that after we do our ten word reviews of movies we watched this week. All right, cool. I'm gonna start us off. Okay. If you don't mind. Do it. All right. So, Cult of Chucky. New Magic revives Chucky and this classic franchise. Ooh. And my review of that movie, Cult of Chucky, is funny, gory, beautifully overdesigned, and surprisingly well shot. Mancini rules. That's 10 words? Yep. That's beautiful. Are you count? You didn't count, did you? I did count, but I'm recounting just okay. to make sure. But it was ten words. All right, awesome. I know how to make them count. You, you really know? did. That was like it was beautiful. It was lyrical right there. It's poetry. Thank you. Um, um. And for the record, um, this review is technically coming up before the movie comes. Actually, no, it's not. So it doesn't matter. But um, we're recording this before the movie came out. But we got to see it at the premiere because we're super cool Hollywood types. Well, Britain is. I'm just. You know, I'm attached to his coattails. No, you know what? Um, I'm we'll riding that gravy train to success. I wrote an article about how awesome Seed of Chucky is. So he really is dying to share the story. And because of that, tell. the director friend of me on Facebook and he invited all his Facebook friends to this event. So I was like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met this person. I actually got to meet him. He's very nice and very tall. He seemed really cool and really nice. Yeah, He's like surprisingly soft spoken and mm -hmm. like gentle. Mm -hmm. He is a gentle giant. He is like eight feet tall. He seemed full of love. Yeah, he like really did. Like every inch of that eight foot frame was filled with love. 
And I urge any of you um, who are not already following Jennifer Tilly, first of all, you got to do that. Second of all, check out the dress she wore. <laughs> oh, I love her dress. It, it was like this sparkly, bedazzled dress with Chucky on it. And she also had a clutch that was shaped like Chucky, mm-hmm. all glittery. It was awesome. She was the belle of the ball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what's your second review, Sergio? Um, We also saw Bound. And <gasps> my review for that is lesbianic fun ruined by the presence of a man. Sad. <laughs> You really didn't like Joey Pants, did I you? I really didn't. He ruined the movie for me. What about him did that? And we're talking about Joe Pantoliano. Um, I think it's because I went into the movie knowing that Jennifer Tilly spends a lot of time with Gina Gershon uh-huh. per the Chucky movies. Yeah, Seed of Chucky has a long joke about that. That referenced the lesbian love affair between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was not expecting him to be such a central character. Because yeah. at one point, Gina Gershon just disappears from the movie. Gina Gershon literally does nothing for like 45 minutes and uh-huh. then she's put in a closet for another 30 minutes <laughs> so you're right um her character's not that dynamic but uh-huh. she's like super cool she is really cool and i did like them together and i was surprised that you know spoilers they end up together but the 45 minutes where she was mia i was like okay w- what am i supposed to do with this here with joe pantaliano just taking up time i i still i found that I, fi- I think that that movie's definitely a showcase for Jennifer Tilly, mm-hmm. and I love her so much. No, you're right. You're right. It's definitely her movie where she is the star. I was just expecting more of a like equal partner footing thing. Yeah, you're right, but I still love the queer aspect of mm-hmm. it, and I think it's very thrilling. I just went in with you know a different set of preconceived notions of what the movie uh-huh. was about, and I was disappointed that they didn't live up to it. Okay. So that's really on me, like you know. Anyway, sorry. Um. There's more than 10 words at this point, but mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. We can talk about whatever we want. It's our show. It's your show. Anyway. Um, You're the boss. My 10-word review of Bound is the per- the perfect end cap to any Jennifer Tilly double feature. Okay. Solid. That was our I week. think the perfect end cap to any Jennifer Tilly feature is watching an episode of Family Guy. I disagree. I think you should never watch an episode of Family Guy. You love some of the episodes I've shown you. No, it's fine. But, like, it's not the perfect anything for anything family guy can be funny yeah it can it can be funny but it's not the perfect anything it's Whatever. just a sort of funny cartoon show you laugh for frat boys where's santa was he kidnapped by blank i, I don't I remember this okay oh okay i can't say the line because it's really racist and it like i can't do it because it's stewie yeah uh okay whatever okay the see a classic television show, but we digressed a lot already because Bound is awesome. Bound um, is awesome, and so is Cult of Chucky. Yeah, we had a great week. Uh-huh. But The Fog, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here um, and say not so much. I mean, Jennifer Tilly wasn't in it. So, so right there, it's already suffering. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm going to read you the plot off the back of my DVD that I actually got, I think, in my stocking for Christmas like three years ago. Cool. Here we go. When the fog rolls in, the terror begins. Oh, geez. The first paragraph is just listing the entire cast. Hold on. All right, keep going. Keep going. Do you want me to read the cast? Yes. Okay. This moody and crisply chilling Newsweek, in parentheses it says it's whatever, um, horror classic from Master of Terror John Carpenter and co-writer Deborah Hill stars Adrian Barbeau, Swamp Thing, Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween, Oscar winner John Houseman, Rollerball, and Oscar nominee Janet Lee, Psycho. Get lost in the fog. It will fright- Janet Lee never won an Oscar? I guess not. That's so sad. That is sad. Um, 
It's Sad. also also we did find out today that um Patrick Wilson has never been nominated for an Oscar. Um, I showed Brennan a trailer for this movie called Little Children, and it it's like, oh, I'm starring Academy nominee Kate Winslet, Academy nominee. No, uh, I think it was one of them was a winner, Jennifer Connelly. Okay, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, well, they're both winners at that at now, but not at the time the uh-huh. trailer was cut. Fine, Academy of More. Well, oh my, oh my God, I'm slurring my words so bad. Oscar winner, uh, Jennifer Connelly. And Patrick Wilson. Yeah, it's like, and just as friend. Patrick Wilson. And I looked him up. I was like, he has to be nominated for something. Yeah. He was nominated for like a couple Golden Globes. And I was just scrolling through the increasingly less important awards. It was like, nominee, nominee, nominee. He was nominated for two Fangoria Chainsaw Awards that he did not win. Uh-huh. And he finally won like the Online Film Critics Association liked him in, I don't know, girls or something. Yeah. It was kind of sad. But Patrick Wilson is great. Wow, we no, don't want to talk about the fog, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. But um, let, let me finish this plot. Um, We're still not done with the plot. <laughs> it will frighten the daylights, the Hollywood Reporter, because they're just using all the quotes from reviews. Out of you. The sleepy seaside village of Antonio Bay is about to learn the true meaning of the word vengeance. For this seemingly perfect town... Well, let me just say, did they think there was a different meaning of the word vengeance? I think we all know. <laughs> um... The, this seemingly perfect town masks a guilty secret, a past steeped in greed and murder. Exactly 100 years ago, a ship was horribly wrecked under mysterious circumstances in a thick, eerie fog. Now, shrouded in darkness, the long-dead mariners have returned from their watery grave to exact a bloody revenge. Can this waking nightmare be stopped, or will the fog keep rolling in to kill and kill again? Ooh. Uh, answer, no, it won't, because it only wants to kill six people, and this is very explicit. It tells us on a piece of burning wood like Moses or something. Uh-huh, and then later it tells us the body count, right? Yeah, halfway through, like, a corpse comes to life and carves the body count into the floor, so I don't really have to pay attention and keep track. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. Well, that's good because we weren't sure if another person had died. Yeah, we literally only saw two people die. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, God, anyway. So right, one thing I want to point out from that uh, uh, little review synopsis you just did was one word really stuck out to me, mm-hmm. and that was sleepy seaside <laughs> town. <laughs> um, yeah, full disclosure, Sergio slept through a fat, a flat twenty-two minutes of this movie mm-hmm. in the second to third act a- arena, mm-hmm. and I apologize on behalf of our uh, reviewing credibility and our integrity. But also, I felt so jealous of him. I just let him do it so I could live vicariously <laughs> through him. I do feel rejuvenated after that, so thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Um, yeah, as always, we will rate this movie out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. So what is your scariness score out of five screams? I gave it two scores. and maybe Two different three. scores? Yeah. Two screams? Yeah. Um, my first score is a one. As somebody watching this movie today, Oh, okay. it was not scary. Okay, but if I'm doing that thing that I did when I first started reviewing, uh-huh. it's like if maybe I was in a movie theater uh, way back when and I saw this movie and I was like, oh, God, it's dark and someone's killing this guy on this ship. It's scary. Maybe two, three. But otherwise, it's the one. Okay. I actually I did give it two out of five. Okay. Let me let me explain myself. Um, first of all, the, the third act is actually kind of interesting because there's all these characters we've been spending all this time with and they don't talk to each other or interact with each other in any way and like i thought that was kind of cool actually uh, you were mad at it though i was mad at it but i thought it was an interesting thing to do 
No, because well, we were talking about it, and I was saying like, oh, each of these people is discovering a different a different scrap of evidence about uh-huh. what's happening to the town. It and was very to, like, Stranger Things. I guess. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, but literally, Jamie Lee Curtis and Adrian Barbeau, who are two of the leads, never share a scene together. So sad. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, her mother, is also in this movie, and they don't get to hang out till like 55 minutes in. Again, so sad. Um, no, it's just a bunch of scattered people. I don't know. There's like a car alarm, and they're like, ah, spooky. And then there's like a piece of wood catches on fire, and they're like, ah, spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, the fog rolls in, and some ghost pirates kill some people at about 20 minutes in. And then 40 minutes later, the yeah. fog comes a-rolling yeah, back. Yeah, it was a really long break in between scare scenes. Yeah, but I thought the third act did decent at, like, throwing all these characters into the fog. And you know one of them has to die, but you don't exactly know which one is going mm-hmm. to be. Who was the last person to die? Um, spoilers, uh, Hal Holbrook, who played the priest guy. Oh, You called it! Yeah, of course. He had to sacrifice himself because his grandfather was one of the conspirators who, like built the town out of the money they stole from this leper colony. Oh, yeah. And um, he's like, oh, no. Because um, all this is happening during the centennial celebration of the town's um, you know, beginning. Christening. Yeah. So he's like, oh, no, our celebration is honoring mur- murderers. And I'm like, welcome to American history. Yeah. Every scrap of land we have was won by murder. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I like... It sucks and it's terrible and we shouldn't celebrate that. But like, why are you surprised? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just because it was white people who were murdered this yeah. time. So he's like, how could we? <laughs> how could we destroy those lepers? Yeah. Um, so what else happens? Yeah. No. The I I I gave it two out of five because I did think the third act had some tension, but it does not speak well of this movie that the scariest moment was when water started dripping over um, all this radio equipment, and I was very nervous that the radio equipment was going to get water on it, and I was very scared by that scene. Oh, okay. Because it's expensive. It's expensive. You weren't afraid that she was going to get electrocuted or anything. You were just like, oh, no, this pricey equipment is being ruined. Yeah, she was like six feet away from it. She would have been fine. Okay. And it actually ended up being fine. It got fixed by ghost powers. Yeah. Like, ghosts in movies are just straight-up magic. And nobody seems to n- realize that their ghosts are wizards because it's like water drips out of this plank. And then it like s- sparks this machine and the machine breaks. Then she looks back and the water's gone and the sparks are gone and the machine's working again. And it's like, look, I know ghosts are like spooky and supernatural, but they can't like fix a radio. Mm-hmm. That is not within any like established ghost power <laughs> that I am familiar with. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, what's your campiness score? I gave it a one. One out of five perms. Why did you do this? There was nothing funny or campy about anything. Well, let's tell that to my score, which is three out of five perms. What what happened in that third act that is earning you is earning this movie all this credit? I'm um I'm kind of translating campy into dumb horror movie decision making okay. in this situation. Alright, what was dumb about it? Everybody seemed pretty normal. Okay, let me tell you this. First of all, the uh, priest guy finds this diary of his grandfather explaining exactly okay, what happened okay, to his town. Yeah, okay, okay, I got you. And first of all, he spends literally 20 minutes reading it to Janet Lee and uh, Annie from Halloween, who is also in this movie. Um, so they're like, oh, wow, we're learning so much about this town. It's like, I kind of already knew all this stuff, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, and that's where I gave up reading. And uh, he closes the book. 
and then I'm like, well, there's more to read. Why aren't you reading it? And then mm-hmm. in the end, there's like really important information in that chapter that they use in the third act. It's like, this was the dumbest thing. <laughs> it's such a, like a such an easy thing to fix if you just read the last chapter. Yeah, it's it's it, it is a screenwriting mistake. Um, I don't think it's a screenwriting mistake. It's just no, it, it's a crutch. Uh huh. It's like there's no reason for him not to have read this thing. He's just delaying a receiving information. It's like, it's like, oh, some pages were ripped out of mm-hmm. this book, and then they find it later. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Just do that. Uh, it's one of them deus ex machina situations. Yeah, deus ex machina. Whatever, deus ex machina. I'm not Latin here. I know. And also, um, the that ch- uh, church guy, the what the hell? What's he called? Minister? A priest? He's a priest. He's a priest. Um, or a father. Yeah. Uh, well, he really jumps to conclusions that are kind of way against his religion mm-hmm. um, because he's like, at midnight last night, there was fog and Annie's car alarm went off and a piece of stone fell out of my wall and revealed a diary. Ergo, this town is cursed. <laughs> and I'm like, is that the first thing you would jump to as a priest? And also, those things aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we know that three people have been murdered during the course of this, but they'd didn't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it was a weird. Priests in horror movies do have a like a like ter- like a terrible track record for inciting fear. Like a book falls, like the devil is here. Yeah, he, is, he walks amongst us. God, it, they're they're just spiritual, so they're in 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 connection with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, literally, there's a scene where the fog cuts the phone lines. It's the silliest thing. Oh, yeah, where it, like, envelops the, the telephone yeah, pole. it's a shot of a telephone pole, and then there's just clearly a smoke machine at the bottom of the pole, so the fog rises up, and then the pole falls apart. Uh-huh. And um, also, you know, um, sec- second only to Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem as an on-screen couple, like a terrible on-screen couple, is... Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins who just get together in the beginning of this movie and for no reason Tom Tom Atkins literally looks like a professor I had and Jamie Lee Curtis looks like Jamie Lee Curtis in 1980 Mm -hmm. and they're just like let's have sex because Tom Atkins in every movie he's in has to have sex with like a really young woman and it makes no sense um, John Carpenter must have like loved Tom Atkins because like no he's a cool guy and he was really good in Night of the Creeps he had a very good role in that movie mm-hmm. um, but like what no and so how many times have John Carpenter and Tom Atkins worked together um, I believe he was in Escape from New York oh um, and they also kind of sort of worked well they were he uh, Tom Atkins was the star of Halloween three which John Carpenter was involved in though he did not direct it oh okay cool yeah. There were a lot of Halloween people drifting around. The production designer was Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah, you were telling me Halloween that. Three. You were telling me that. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, oh boy. And um, Charles Cyphers, who played the sheriff in Halloween, played the mm-hmm. weatherman, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more campy thing. It, well, first of all, people feel compelled to open their doors when the ghosts knock on their door. It's like, let me put, let me paint a picture for you. Oh God, that friggin' nanny. Yeah. No, you're home alone. A spooky, glowing fog envelops your house. And a deep, resounding knock falls on the door like boom, boom, boom. What do you do? Burn the house down. Basically. But what every character in this movie does is immediately goes to open the door with no questions, even though they know something spooky is going on. Uh-huh. Like literally, um, the the Adrian Barbo, who's this radio um, DJ lady, 
Um, she has a son, and he's being taken care of by a nanny who's basically Mrs. Doubtfire. She's like, oh, little dummy, you've got to go to the whatever. Um, it was a drive-by fruiting. Mm. Um, so she's very scared of this fog. She's like, we got to shut all the windows, and little boy, go hide in your room, and all this stuff, and the knocking comes on the door, and she's like, oh, no. Ah. But instead of just locking herself in that kid's bedroom, she literally unlatches the door, just throws it wide, completely open. She doesn't crack it. Uh-huh. She's just as far open as it can be. It practically <laughs> slams into the wall and makes a hole. <laughs> and He's then, exaggerating, but only a little no, bit. No, not really. And then she like wanders out into the fog and is surprised when a ghost eats her. Uh-huh. It doesn't make any sense. Again, like a fifth person needed to die, and she was that fifth person. Yeah, but, like, they could have, like, broken the glass and grabbed her. Like, they've done. She didn't have to open the door. Why do people feel compelled to open the door? Is my question. She's polite. This is, like, you know, real America, Brennan, where people open doors for strangers. Well, maybe they shouldn't when there's a spooky glowing fog around. Like, look, even if if you don't know there's evil pirate ghosts, Mm -hmm. even if you just assume that, like, oh, maybe this is radioactive. I don't want to breathe this glowing fog. Yeah. Ugh. What's your FX score? I gave it three. Okay, I gave it two. Why Why did you give it such a low score? Arguably the strongest feature of this film is its effects. Oh, you mean a smoke machine and a light pointed at said yes, smoke? Yes, yes. It looks good. Don't get me wrong. But it. I wanted to give the movie something, so I gave it a high, okay, a, a okay. high score for effects. Um... Any any elaborations you want to make? Well, about I mean, that? you pretty much stole my one line. <laughs> like, the effects were pretty much like a fog machine and a colorful fog at that. Yeah, and that was nice to look at. No, you're right. And actually, to be fair, it's a pretty genius low budget villain technique mm-hmm. um, because it's a way to give your characters a creepy silhouette, especially when your characters look like rejected animatronics from Pirates of the Caribbean with glowing red eyes, mm-hmm. um, and. It's it's kind of like it follows where the monster is literally just a bunch of extras walking at the camera. Uh-huh. Um, it is very s- clever, a, a clever way to make a monster movie outside of a small budget. Uh-huh. Um, and I respect that, but it's not like I'm I wasn't like visually blown away mm-hmm. really by anything. We always argue sometimes if like the settings count as effects, right? Yeah. Look. Antonio Bay is not an effect. It is a beautiful place, though. First of all, it was Tomales Bay, and it was beautiful. Yes, but that is... Look, I will accept a set being effect with your weird justification for it if it's something that somebody actually built, Uh but Antonio Bay was built by God. (laughs) God helped make this movie. I guess so. (laughs) He really loves the fog. Yeah. Um, I thought that the sets were beautiful. It was very picturesque. That's where this movie shines, is just how beautiful every shot is. Okay. It's a series of one perfect shots. I Yeah, actually, okay, Um, let's move on to quality. <laughs> I want to elaborate on that. All right, so what's your quality score, man? Two out of five, unlucky stars. I gave it three. Really? Yeah. Why? Because I was saved the last 30 minutes, so you know, eh, it's not that bad. So you feel kinder, more disposed toward it? Toward yeah. it. Uh, well, unfortunately for me, I had to sit through those 22 minutes. And, like, I hate to do this because... And you got resolution, okay? Like, yeah. I'm still on pins and needles. Like, what happened to these people? <laughs> I will never know. I need closure, Brennan. Mm-hmm. 
No, um, I mean, look, it's a gorgeous movie. John Carpenter really shines in his John Carpenteriness. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. It is well shot. The music is pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. not like his best, but his worst is very still great. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like the music. Um, I'll be real about that. Okay. I mean, it was basically just Halloween again, but like spookier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like more ghostly. But frankly, I, I don't know. I... I don't know whether I'm just being a, like a 2017 entitled millennial in some way. Probably. Because like everyone who's older than me on Letterboxd gives us like 8 million stars. Mm-hmm. But I found The Fog to be unfathomably boring. Oh, wow. It was kind of excruciating to sit through. Um, again, I, I have a tough time with a lot of John Carpenter's works in terms of pacing already. Mm-hmm. And I think this one is the most poorly paced of any of his movies. Mm-hmm. So it was a rough watch. Like, I'm not asking for gore or, like, action sequences and explosions, but even the dialogue wasn't that interesting. I just feel like it didn't work with – and the cast is incredible, and they mostly do nothing. Jamie Lee Curtis gets zip to do. I was surprised that, like – I feel like this movie advertises her as, like, you know, the lead to watch – but she was only in every other scene. Not every other scene, sorry. Like, a third of the scenes. Yeah, and she, like, literally just hugs Tom Atkins from behind, mm-hmm. like, 80% of the time. Yeah, I was surprised she was... Every time I saw her on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, she's in this, you know? Yeah, there's... Like, this is the worst Jamie Lee Curtis horror movie of 1980, and Prom Night came out in 1980. Uh, it's, I never saw the original, so I can't agree or disagree with you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like Prom Night. It's just, uh-huh. it's a weak slasher film. And from the director of Halloween, you'd expect that he'd know what to do with a Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. But I still stand by that terror train is her best of that year. Um, but did no. she have three horror movies come out in the same year? Yeah, she did. Oh, okay. I remember making a joke in my uh, uh, prom night review. I was like, this is not. This is by far not the best Jamie Lee Curtis horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's not even the best Jamie Lee Curtis slasher movie made in Canada in 1980. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... She was a busy gal. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's just like there was literally one point where um, I'm really casting you in a harsh light, but you left the movie for like 30 seconds to go like throw something away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you came back and you're like, oh, did you pause it? And I'm like, no, this is just a shot that's not moving and nothing's <laughs> happening. And it was like it was not moving for the five seconds that I had returned. So yeah. Probably it was longer than those five seconds. Yeah. It. um. This movie is not for me. Um, for I know people who are more interested in movies that are just, you know, landscapes uh-huh. and a fog rolling in over a beautiful bay and, like, they can handle that and that's wonderful and that's a beautiful thing and it really delivers there. But if you're looking for a satisfying story in any way, it just does not deliver. It's not interesting. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, look, I'm not, I'm not like turning against John Carpenter. I've always felt like I could tip this direction at some point in this month. Uh huh. Um, yeah. No, I was actually <laughs> no at horror trivia. I was talking to Patrick Hamilton, the a co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, because he visited for a month to sit in on my team, which was really fun. Um, but I was talking about how we were going to be watching The Fog, and he was like, my wife always falls asleep like 20 minutes into this movie. So at least you beat out uh, Patrick Hamilton's wife. Like, you you outlasted her. Uh Um, But I totally respect her decisions, and I think 
she is right to not sit through this entire thing. And mm-hmm. I can't believe they've watched it multiple times. So he could have like made that. <laughs> and she's gotten multiple naps during this movie. Yeah. I think, I think we have, we have to call the police on Patrick for making <laughs> his wife watch this movie more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling about John Carpenter at this point? He's very skilled in making a movie look beautiful. Yeah. Um, are you are you getting more of a sense of like his personality as a director at all yet? Um, I would say it's too early to call. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think I've noticed like similar techniques throughout the movies. I just think he has a certain style, um, and it works for him. Okay, and in the same way that David Fincher has his own style, like everything is nice and sleek and minimal uh-huh. and kind of sexy, um, and even a little muted. But uh, like Carpenter has his own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, that's eh, just what it is. You know what have what would have improved this movie? What if Don Mancini had directed it? Controversial statement. No, I'm just. I just want to talk about Cult of Chucky more. Okay, we can we can we can release a cast for this for that one if you want. Should we? We haven't done a modern movie in a long time. Well, that was an executive decision by you, so you can undo that executive decision. Um, what do you think? It's, again, it's your no, call. No, let's just talk about it. A I feel bit. like this. We got we got other things to do. Uh huh. Um, but I just think um, Don Mancini's really come into his own as a director, and because doing Curse of Chucky four years ago or whatever, and now Cult of Chucky, like those movies are very gorgeous with like sleek cinematography and really beautiful sets. Mm-hmm. And he has this sense of style that he has evoked that was not present in the Seed of Chucky. Um, and I think he's really improved as a director. And frankly, I think he's the best director of any Child's Play movie. And that includes Tom Holland, who's like a very or pretty well-respected horror director. Isn't he Spider-Man? <laughs> yes. Um, Spider-Man's older than he looks. <laughs> um, but no, just like aesthetically speaking, his movies are at this point like pretty incredible mm-hmm. and i'm very impressed i just like the storyline and continuity that he's made for them yeah because he's he's written all of them uh-huh. so it feels like it's gearing up to be some kind of like expanded universe yeah which is weird but like there's a consistency to the story and the characters that's really interesting mm-hmm. um anyway i'm gonna tell you what we're watching next week which i'm hoping i will enjoy more than the fog and i think i will but first, here's how you can contact us. If you want to yell at me about my opinions about The Fog, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. Find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can email us at... Sergio, you're breathing so heavy into the microphone. Am I like, really? You're like Darth Vader. I don't mean to. I think it's just that my nose is pointing at it. Yeah, it's gross. I'm sorry. Um, you can find us on the emails at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on iTunes, subscribe and review us. Give us five stars. Well, okay, you don't have to if you're mad about <laughs> this whole situation. I feel bad. I look. I I want someone to tell me I'm wrong and tell me why, and I will listen. I won't necessarily agree with you, but if there's a good argument out there for why the fog is super awesome, I will listen to it and I will consider it. Okay. Um, I would. I a lot of people love this movie, and I want to understand that perspective. I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. I want a five paragraph essay on if what if you think if you're trying to convince me that the fog is something that I need to care about, I want a five paragraph essay. Don't test Matt. He might he Actually, might just Actually no, never mind, never mind. I mean I, I, I will have read the patience to read that. I will read all of your essays. 
All right. Um. Anyway, our theme song is a beat for you by Pseudo Echo, and I, <laughs> I just listened to our Blood Rage episode, and I totally accidentally put in the old theme song, and I wonder if anybody noticed. I don't think so. Um. I don't know. Um. But next week we will be watching. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Okujo. No. John Carpenter movies is this month. I know um, we started with a Stephen King movie, they so live. it's confusing. No. Um, we're not doing They Live because I've already seen it. But we're watching a movie that came out when I did in 1994. It's called In the Mouth of Madness. And it stars Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. I thought you came out like in the ninth grade. <laughs> like came out into the world. Oh, okay. It arrived in the world right. when I did. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty excited about this one. I've heard it's a like kind of an underrated effort of his. And a lot of people now are kind of reclaiming it as one of his like scariest movies Ooh, i'm ready so i'm very interested in that and we'll check it out next week cool uh, until then good luck on your journey and stay gold everybody peace out this episode was brought to you by pod people productions to find more episodes of this show and others please visit podpeople.me it's podcasts for the weird at heart hello there i'm uncle pony boy do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gore Gab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. Hello! You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gore Gab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.